What's going on, Hardliners? Welcome to His Hardline for another episode of 1% with Him. Remember, every day we need to spend at least minimum 15 minutes with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Dig a little bit in the Bible and spend a little time in prayer, you know what I mean? If you can't do that, just join us here at His Hardline. We'll get it done. Drop. And don't forget to check out our website, www.hisheartline.com. We're happy to have you. Let's get started. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you're at in the world. I am Jason, your co-host. Welcome to His Hard Line for another episode of 1% with Him. And we are going to be doing a reading out of the book of Mark, chapter 10. And today, uh, we're going to be reading out of the, um, the New American Bible Revised Edition. Typically, I've been reading out of the NASB 95 edition, but today we're going to switch it up. So I am going to be reading out of the NABR version of the Bible. And so uh, I hope everybody had a great weekend. Happy Monday. It is August 15th, 2022. And I am your host with, uh, excuse me, I am your co-host. I am your co-host with God and Jesus Christ at my side. And uh, they are the ones at the wheel. They're at the helm. And they are the ones that are steering the ship through these crazy chaotic waters that we call life. But as I always say, fear not, because with God and Christ at control, they will steer this ship to a safe harbor. So, you know, we need to always trust in God and we will be just fine. I do apologize uh, to some degree, not fully, but to some degree for being absent for the last several days. Um, I had to take my family on a vacation. It was my daughter's birthday. And so we went down to Sandusky, went to Kalahari and uh, yeah, did some water park action. That was a whole lot of fun. So had a lot of good times there. So we are happy that we did it. We went a day earlier than my wife expected. So that was a surprise for her. And then another unexpected surprise. I decided to extend it another day. And uh, yeah, it was just a really good time. Um, if you go on my Telegram or True Social, you'll see my, uh, oh, I'll tell you, it's not a very flattering video, but it was pretty fun. There's this thing they have called the Flow Rider, and uh, it's pretty much body surfing, you know, indoors. And uh, yeah, it was really, it was really actually something else. Uh, it was quite the experience. You know, I'm quite, I'm, st- I'm still young enough to uh, get active in something like that and you know still feel like i won't have any type of uh you know long-term pain you know as far as you know you know just you know being unable to recover um but still kind of just a little bit at the age where it's like you know because you know ahead of me sitting in line was like a bunch of teenagers and high schoolers and some 20 year olds very few people my age or older um and there were some but not not like there were, you know, young, young people. Um, but, hey, you know, I still held my own. So you'll find that video on my true social and on Telegram. It's pretty embarrassing. Don't judge my body. Um, it looked like a big flying flopping whale uh, uh, crashing down on the artificial wave in the flow rider. So it was pretty, it was, pretty it was a good time. It was pretty funny, though. 
So anyway, I missed a lot. I have no idea what's going on in the world. I pretty much took a sabbatical from my phone. I wanted nothing to do with news. I wanted nothing to do with podcasts. I honestly have no idea outside of that raid that happened at Mar-a-Lago. I really have no idea what the heck's been going on in the world. Um, <clears throat> I was looking up something earlier, and I know Google is kind of a bad thing that we never really you know, use. Um, but every once in a while, I still shy on there for one reason, just to see what kind of stupid articles pop up. Because when you go to Google at com, <clears throat> excuse me, there's typically some articles that pre-populate in there. And I found it very interesting. What one thing I kind of thought was, well, kind of disturbing, actually. So th this was posted by the New York Post. And um, there was a screenshot shows like police in China were blocking people. So basically, here's the, well, here's the headline. So Ikea shoppers in China panic after surprise COVID lockdown traps some inside. And so I guess from what I was gathering when I read the article here, Apparently, um, let me just scroll down and I watched the video. The video was quite disturbing to watch as well. It was like different, uh, it was different, um, you know, scenario or different screenshots from different videos that were showing people throughout the Ikea. And uh, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty disturbing to watch. So as I was reading the article, uh, it showed, it said, so, so basically this is what it basically says in a nutshell. It says chaos unfolded at an Ikea store in Shanghai over the weekend after local authorities attempted to implement a surprise lockdown with shoppers still inside due to a potential keyword there, potential. I tell you, it's, it's those little fluff words that really make them take an inch and turn it into a mile. But due to the potential COVID-19 exposure, yeah, one thing on this, I didn't know that COVID-19 was still even a thing. I mean, seriously, if you weren't watching the news or listening to the radio, you'd have no idea there was anything going on. Hell, even with smallpox or whatever the hell it is, monkeypox, you would have no idea what the hell's going on other than the few idiots out there that are wearing masks. You'd have no idea that there was a quote unquote pandemic. But it it's continues to say videos shared online by writer Fang Shimin and others showed IKEA shoppers scrambling to escape the store on Saturday before authorities could shut the doors and the rush to exit occurred after an announcement at the IKEA store revealed that authorities would close the store and not allow anyone to enter or leave. At one point, a large group of shoppers physically forced their way past officers who had been trying to lock them inside. And so we're going to scroll a little bit further, further down here. So state health officials in Shanghai later confirmed that they had implemented temporary control measures, in quotes, at the IKEA store in some surrounding areas. And a lockdown followed after authorities learned like to see where they learn this information from, learned that someone who shopped at the IKEA store was exposed to a six-year-old with a symptomatic COVID-19 case. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is, this, is, this is asinine. It really is. This is stupid. And this is the very reason why I come here behind this mic every day, not to read stupid stories like this, but do you understand that there is an element, a, 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 an, uh, a group of people out there that are in bed with the CCP and they want nothing more than to implement this kind of nonsense here in America. Seriously. Now I know this is 1% with him. We're going to be getting into the reading, but you know, this is the kind of thing that just bothers the heck out of me because this is the very typical stuff that you're going to see more and more, you know, on, on the mainstream news. It's more fear and more scare tactics and stuff like that. But make no mistake, if the wrong people were to have full control 
of this nation. You don't think they wouldn't implement that kind of nonsense here? Of course they would. But you know what? They don't, and they haven't. Do you want to know why? Because there is a good element that's still in control, that's in charge. And this is why I start every show with God is the host of this show, and he is at the wheel, and he's at the helm, and he will steer us through these crazy chaotic waters we call life. So fear not. And as long as we give 100% of our surrender to God and Christ of our life and what's going around, going on around our life, which is AKA the storm, nothing will get to us. We just have to weather this stupid ride and realize the simple fact that God's in control. He's not going to allow his people who have a strong faith, love, belief, commitment to Christ in him. He's not going to allow anything like that to happen to those people. In fact, he's not going to allow even the people that don't have that 100%. He's not going to allow people to fall because he knows there is a large group of people, men and women that are out there trying to fight for the betterment of the world, for society, for this nation, for freedom, for sovereignty. And he's not going to let that all just go to scorched earth and be like, all right, do like another flood. We're done. We're going to start over again. Noah 2.0. No, he's not going to do that. And so anyways, yeah, just it was something that I saw in passing as I was scrolling through articles. Because like I said, I have no idea what's going on in the world. <laughs> Quite frankly, it's probably a good thing. It's probably why my stress levels have gone significantly down. But anyway, let's continue to lower the stress levels. We're going to do a reading, like I said, out of Mark chapter 10. That's where we left off. And um, I like this. I like this chapter, actually. I was reading it this morning. And it starts off with discussing marriage and divorce. And then we get into the blessings of children. And then we talk about that uh, there's a story there about the rich man. Um and so, you know, we talk about that encounter of, you know, that little conversation that he had with Jesus. And then we talk about the third prediction of the passion and then followed by the uh, ambition of James and John. And then, um, yeah, and then we just kind of round it out with like a quick summary. So <clears throat> let's get started. So, again, I'm reading out of the New American Bible Revised Edition, switching it up from the NASB because this is my favorite edition. And it's read starting with verse one, chapter 10. He set out from there and went into the district of Judea and across the Jordan. Again, crowds gathered around him, and as was his custom, he again taught them. The Pharisees approached and asked, Is it lawful for a husband to divorce his wife? They were testing him, and he said to them in reply, What did Moses command you? And they replied, Well, Moses permitted him to write a bill of divorce and dismiss her. But Jesus told them, Because of the hardness of your hearts, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. And therefore, what God has joined together, no human being must separate. In the house, the disciples again questioned him about this. He said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her, and if she divorces her husband and marries another. She commits adultery. And people were bringing children to him that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he became indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not prevent them. 
For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Amen, I say to you, whoever does not accept the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it. Then he embraced them and blessed them, placing his hands on them. I'm going to pause there for a second. This is one of the biggest reasons why we need to protect our children. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is one of the reasons why we need to get rid of abortion. Because children, and, I, and again, this is a sidebar, I'm not reading. Children are God's greatest gift to humanity because they're untainted by the world, by the fallen world. They have a purity about them. They have an innocence that has not been jaded by the world. <clears throat> yes, they were born into a fallen world, but they haven't lived enough life to fall prey to the schemes of Satan and his minions, which is why, <clears throat> which is why it was said that if anybody caused one of these little ones to fall in sin, and I'm paraphrasing here basically, but this was like from the last chapter, if I recall correctly, that it would be better for them to have a millstone wrapped around their neck and cast out to the sea and drowned. Because you're taking the most pure, innocent soul on earth. And if you cause that pure, innocent soul on earth to be corrupted, oh, yeah, I'd hate to be on the other end of that wrath of God. Continuing. Now we're going to get into the rich man, verse 17. Now, as he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up, knelt down before him, and he asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to in inherit eternal life? And Jesus answered him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not kill. You, not sh you shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he replied and said to him, But teacher, all these things I have observed from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You are lacking in one thing. Go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At that statement, his face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. I'm going to pause there again. What have I always said before? You know, what we have in this world, it doesn't matter. The possessions, it doesn't matter the amount of money that we have in the bank accounts. Because at, at the end of the day, it's all binary code. Digital ones and zeros with commas intertwined in the middle. It doesn't matter. All this stuff does not matter. This is all in the physical world. It, it's, I'm starting to understand this more and more every day as I live my life. As somebody who always wanted to have the most top-of-the-line pickup truck and the most exotic sport car, trust me, I wanted a Ferrari 360 Medina F1, a 2005 to be specific, or a Ferrari F50 or F40. I've always wanted to have a 40-plus-foot, you know, Z-Lander, you know, mini micro-yacht. It's about a million-dollar boat. But, you know, the more I live this life and the more I dig in the scriptures and the more I do my best to serve God and, and my brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, people around me to the best of my ability anyways. And there's some days I, f I fail, I'm sure. 
the more I start realizing that all that crap, and that's what it is. I'm just going to call it for what it is. It's crap because, yeah, it might be nice, brand new, shiny, has a big, pricey, good, big price tag on it in the very beginning. But guess what? Like all things, they all lose value. They all lose value. And so that's why I, I just, I never got, I guess, I guess now I can say it now, but before, I guess, I don't know. But it just, it is interesting because at that statement, like he said, you know, the, the rich man's face fell down and he, he basically went and pouted because he's like, really, I don't want to sell my stuff and give it to the poor. But what's it worth to you? What, what, what profits a man if you sell your soul, but gain the whole world in wealth and possessions? Really? Is it worth only 80, 70, 80, maybe 90 years if you're lucky of self-indulgence and materialistic items? I mean, don't get me wrong. I like toys. I'm not saying having nice things isn't, is a sin. No. But what I'm saying is it's not the most important thing in the world. If God blessed you with, with fun things, cool. Share those fun things with others so they may enjoy the funness of those things too. But just don't wrap your life around it and idolize these things because that's when where a lot of people get in trouble. And that's what this guy was doing. He was idolizing his possessions, and that's why he felt sad. He's like, well, but Lord, you're going to make me pick between my things and you? Why pick my things? That doesn't set up a very you know, good tone with Jesus. <laughs> Continuing, verse 23, Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, how hard is it? for those who have wealth, to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. So Jesus again said to them in reply, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for one who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said among themselves, Then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, For human beings it's impossible, but not for God. All things are possible for God. And Peter began to say to him, we have given up everything and followed you. And Jesus said, amen, I say to you, there is no one who has given up a house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, who will not receive a hundred times more now in this present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and eternal life in the age to come. But many that are first will be last, and the last will be first. Now, <clears throat> as we talk about the third prediction of the Passion, here with verse 32, they were on the way going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus went ahead of them, and they were amazed at those who followed were afraid. Taking the twelve aside again, he began to tell them what was going to happen to him. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him, spit upon him, scourge him, and put him to death. But after three days, he will rise. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he replied, what do you wish me to do for you? Boy, I'm going to pause there for a second. That sounds pretty arrogant. <laughs> Basically to demand Jesus to do what they tell you. I, I, that's, I can't imagine that went real well. Continuing, they answered him, grant that in your glory we may sit 
one at your right and the other at your left. And Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Can you drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? They said to him, we can. Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right or at my left is not mine to give, but is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard this, the other ten apostles heard this, they became indignant at James and John. And Jesus summoned them and said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers over the Gentiles, Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones make their authority over them felt. But it shall not be so among you, Rather, whoever wishes to be great among you will be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you will be the slave of all. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. I'm going to pause there for just a moment before we get into the last paragraph here. I absolutely love this. This is one of my favorite things in this book right here. That for the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. That's what we're all called to do. And I think that's why that guy in the earlier passage walked away sad when Christ told him, sell all your possessions, give it to the poor and follow me. And then he kind of went away moping and said, well, no, I kind of like my things. Well, that's self-serving. That's not serving others, that's self-serving yourself. We are called to help those, especially those that are widows, orphans, the elderly, the voiceless, the powerless, the weak, the meek. We need to serve those, the faithless. We need to bring Christ to those people. That's why his heart line is here. Last paragraph here, verse 46, going through verse 52. They came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a sizable crowd, Bartimaeus and a blind man, the son of Timaeus, sat by the roadside begging. On hearing that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he kept calling out all the more, son of David, have pity on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man, saying to him, take courage, get up. He is calling you. He threw aside his cloak, sprang up, and came to Jesus. Jesus said to him in reply, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man replied to him, Master, I want to see. Jesus told him, Go your way. Your faith has saved you. Immediately he received his sight and followed him on the way. Mm. That, is, that is beautiful. I like that book. That's a great book in Mark. Now, there's a lot, a lot to unpack here, but we're, we're going to get to it so I can get on to the next show. But what does Mark chapter 10 really mean? Now, where Luke and John give an extensive account of Jesus' teaching between Galilee and Perea, Mark ships ahead to the action and leaves out Jesus' Jesus's exhortation to give forgive 70 to... Um, I just lost my train of thought here. Uh, 70 times 7 and the Feast of Tabernacles and, and controversial teachings in Jerusalem, the story of the Good Samaritan and the death of resurrection of Lazarus, 
and several confrontations with the Pharisees that incited the religious leaders to try to find a way to kill him. But Mark 10 probably begins more in the region of Perea and on the other side of the Jordan River from Judea, where John the Baptist had his ministry. It ends in Jericho on the way to Jerusalem and the cross. And now the stories revolve around the way in which those with worldly power naturally reject God's way. And some by rejecting the need of women, children, and the disabled, and some by seeking and holding on to power, wealth, and influence instead of submitting themselves to their creator. Again, back to that whole thing about idolizing everything else, but what is the most high? And that would be God. And so Mark 10 leaves behind the arguments about who Jesus is and concentrates on whom he wants. And so he starts with a section on divorce. And so in Judaism, even today, women are not allowed to divorce their husbands. And in Jesus' time, a man could actually dismiss his wife for the smallest of offenses, including burning his meal. I mean, you know, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty rough. And so Jesus condemns such fickle men in protest and protects vulnerable women by reminding his audience that marriage joins two into one. It does not create one master and one disposable servant. Exactly. The two become one, equal. And so the disciples see that Jesus as the political and military hero who will deliver Israel from the Romans, and they can't fathom why he would champion the powerless like women or children. And actually, as we kind of read earlier, that they actually tried to keep the children out of his way, thinking, you know, them as an appropriate distraction for more important work. But Jesus then, you know, tells them to stop and actually welcomes the children, saying, hey, this is exactly what the powerless, you know, they're saying that this that it is exactly the powerless who will receive God's kingdom. And we're going to talk more about this outside of the 1% with him as we talk about the cabal and the elite and what they do and what they've done in the past with regards to, you know, the, and I say this because this is how they look at us, but the less than class of people, if you will. And so as a counterpoint to Jesus's um, acceptance of the powerless, Mark shows how those with earthly prestige may actually be unfit for the kingdom of God. And so a rich man, young man at that, asked Jesus how to inherit eternal life. And it happens that this man has faithfully observed all the commandments relating to how a God follower should treat other people. But with a little more digging, Jesus uncovers that the man lives in conflict with the second commandment to have no other gods before God. And so his love of his own wealth and possessions is enough to discourage him from further seeking. And so the man leaves disheartened, knowing that his love of his earthly possessions keeps him from fully pleasing God. Unfortunately, that's what a lot of people seem to have a big conundrum with anymore these days. And so in the second example of how the powerful of the world reject God, Jesus continues to remind the disciples that the Jewish leaders will reject him. And Jesus' third prophecy of his death includes more detail. And so he then goes on to tell them that the chief priests and the scribes and Gentiles will be involved. They will mock him, spit on him, and flog him. And, and before you know, you know it, they'll kill him. And so he also tells them that he will rise, though, after three days. Now, directly on the heels of this prophecy, though, at least in the flow of this text, James and John, (laughs) 
you know, they ask for positions of power in Jesus's kingdom. I mean, how arrogant is that? I'm sorry. That's pretty arrogant if you ask me. And so Christ responds somewhat gently, but reminding them that leadership in God's kingdom requires sacrifice and servanthood, not position or an authority. And so finally, Jesus meets blind Bartimaeus, who is a beggar from Jericho with a meek but bold heart that Jesus valued. And despite the condemnation of the crowd around him, you know, Bartimaeus still calls out and Jesus responded. And so when Jesus heals him, Bartimaeus does not return to his old life. In fact, on the contrary, he ended up following Christ, perhaps with a clearer view of God's kingdom than the 12 who knew Jesus best. Wow. I tell you, it's, it's, it's very powerful stuff right there. And so, you know, there's a lot to be learned here. You know, again, one of the biggest things, that one of the biggest takeaways from this book of Mark, chapter 10, again, is that love of money, the love of possessions we should not have other gods before the high almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, father of Jesus Christ. Because I'm going to tell you right now, that right there is a sure way to fall very quickly. That's why it's very important that we don't idolize, you know, the big mighty dollar. Let me tell you what, let me tell you what the big mighty dollar almost did to me. Long story short, almost caused divorce on multiple occasions for me. Now, what I say to the mighty dollar is, (laughs) what mighty dollar? What, you mean the tool that I use to pay some bills and buy some food and put gas in my car? Okay. You mean the, the tool that I use that I trade a little time for, you know, at a job that I actually really like that allows me to go enjoy my family? Okay. I'm not going to idolize it, though. I use it as a tool. It's no different than a Phillips head screwdriver or a pair of scissors or a tape measure or a laptop doing this this podcast. Not idolizing this crap because you know what? God giveth, God can taketh. And you know what? Just like anything in this world, money included, it all loses value. Can't take it with you. Why are you going to idol, idol worship things? Seriously. This is something that I had to really come to grips with over the last 18 to 20 months. And every once in a while, Satan likes to creep in the back of my mind when it has nothing else in my mind, right? When there's no other thoughts. And he stirs up little anxiety, feelings of anxiety about, you know, the budget or, you know, my future or, you know, how am I going to take care of myself when I get to the ripe old age of 80 or 90 I don't know, but I'm not going to worry about that, you know, but there's days, listen, I'd be a damned liar if I sat here and said that there wasn't days where I still didn't have, you know, um, what do you want to call it? Bouts of weakness where the, you know, armor of God is cracked and Satan kind of likes to mosey on in and be like, yo, what up, man? I'm going to, I'm going to sow some seeds of doubt and, you know, and anxiety you need that mighty dollar, Jason. What are you what are you talking about? You can't take care of yourself when you're 90, when you're 80 or 70. Your daughter's not gonna help be there for you. You're not gonna be able to buy food for yourself or have a roof over your head. Yeah, believe me. Believe me, sometimes those thoughts creep in. I don't trust the stock market anymore. I don't trust Wall Street. 
I don't trust the cabal instituted, you know, fixed rig system. They call the 401ks and all that other nonsense. I stopped contributing to all that crap. Because I know exactly where it's going. It's going to go through the tubes. And I'm not trying to sow seeds of fear, but I'm just telling you, be very careful with playing with snakes because eventually you'll get bit. That's all I'm saying. You're going to get bit hard. Silver, look at precious metals. Get your physical assets in your hand. Land, ammo, seeds, heirloom seeds, by the way. Just to name a few. But anyway, that's all I got for you today. We're going to end this in a prayer. And then we're going to go on to the uh, the next show here, which I might be just a minute or two late, but bear with me. So we are going to bow our heads for a moment. Thank you so very much, Lord, for this time together. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for the time together with family. And I appreciate all the many blessings that you bring you know, out to uh, you know, just everything that you bring to us, things that we often take for granted. And I uh, just want to say, really, just really appreciate all that you do for us. Thank you for the listeners here and the supporters that come here. Thank you for all that you do. And uh, we just ask that you guide our words. Please guide our thoughts, guide our actions, and help us walk in the way that, you know, your son walked. We know it's not going to, you know, our walk's not going to be the perfect walk, but we do our best to live to be our best version of ourselves. So please guide us and uh, allow us to continuously have courage to serve more of your people. With all this, we pray in your Holy Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. And so that's all I got for you today. I really am happy to be back behind the microphone. I tell you what, it's been really, I'll be honest with you, it's been really bugging me that I haven't been able to do any podcasts for the last several days. (laughs) But it was nice to get away from the studio. So anyway, um, sorry that it was such a long you know, uh, time of, you know, span of time, but I'm back. So, all right, but that's all I got for you today. And I will see you on the other side for a, uh, for another, uh, reading of the field training manual 2000 25. And we're going to be talking about, uh, what were we going to be talking about? Um, but we were going to talk about, uh, I think it was the functions of government, if I recall correctly. So maybe tune in that one, but you know, as we get further along this training manual, 2000 25, things start to really click into place and you're going to start really realizing exactly where this nation needs to be at and how it needs to be situated. So we will see on the other side until then, or the next time we'll see you there, or we'll see you tomorrow for another 1% with him. And I hope you have a great night or a great day, wherever you're at in the world. Have a blessed day. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the day. Thank you for joining us here at His Heart Line. Remember, we need to spend at least 15 minutes each day with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is literally 1% of our time on a daily basis. Spend a little time in the Bible, spend some time in prayer. And you'd be amazed what Jesus will do to you. And don't forget to check out our website, www.hishardline.com, for all the latest updates.